Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As diehard conservative. I to this guy for wisdom. about something over the weekend. I've been contemplating this whole Afghanistan debacle. I've been asking myself, uh, how, how is it possible that, well, everything could go wrong? I, I, I've asked myself, okay, we've heard from the media and Joe Biden We've heard them, well, not apologize for the blunder, of course. We've heard them essentially try and explain that this was inevitable, that they're now doing everything they can, while at the same time they're doing nothing. They haven't changed strategy at all. Nothing changed since a week ago. Americans are still stuck there. And so the word incompetence, right, gross incompetence, we'll get into some of that soon, but gross incompetence, I, I, I don't believe this is incompetence. That's what I think. I think even an incompetent person could figure something out, could get some of this right. This was intentional. That's where I stand on this today. This was by design. It was intentional. And you know whose fingerprints are all over it? Barack Hussein Obama. Now hear me out. Now hear me out. You know, we've long known, of course, that Biden's not running the show. Biden's not in charge of anything. He doesn't know what he had for breakfast. He doesn't know what planet he's on. He doesn't know anything. And so the question, of course, is who's running the show? Well, yes, we communist Chinese, perhaps, bought and paid for. But why do I say Obama? Now, I've made this claim, in, you know, well, weeks ago. Weeks ago, I, I said I believe Obama's behind a lot of this. I believe he's running the show. But the reason I say that is, let me ask you a question. What type of insane, reprobate individual would send cargo planes stashed with billions of dollars in cash to the Iranians, a terrorist regime? Well, Barack Obama. He did, do, he did that. And then what type of insane, reprobate, would leave behind military, American military equipment, weapons, with a hostile terrorist regime called the Taliban. <laughs> Do you see where I'm going with this? This is something that Obama's regime would do. And so anyway, I just want to stand here now and make a point that this is intentional. This is no longer incompetence. I mean, statistically, you'd have to get something right. It defies logic and reason that this administration botched everything from beginning to end. It defies logic further that this could be incompetence when we refuse to change course. We refuse to be the difference maker to create a different outcome because we could. 
We could send in troops. We could get our people out. We could get rid of the Taliban tomorrow with our military. But instead, what are we doing? We're importing refugees from Afghanistan without vetting them. The Taliban could just as easily be walking over, getting on these planes, coming to America as anyone else. And they're being sent to Texas. Anyway, this is Drew Allen. It's been a, a crazy weekend just of news. And uh, even just this morning, of course. Uh, but I want to share that with you. But uh, this is the Drew Allen Show. Welcome to the show for the first time, uh, if it is your first time. And um, I'm going to take one short break here, and then when we get back, we're going to hit the weekend. Did any of you out there watch uh, Donald Trump's rally in Coleman, Alabama, which took place over the weekend on Saturday, Saturday, August 21st? Oh, I mean, that was something, folks. I'm telling you. Maybe you didn't have time to watch it. I didn't watch the whole thing. He spoke for over an hour, maybe over an hour and a half. He introduced Mo Brooks. But forget Mo Brooks for a minute. You, you cannot convince me after I saw those crowd photos, folks. I, there were tens of thousands of people in that audience. This guy, Donald Trump, you cannot make an argument to me after seeing those photos Listening to that audience applauding, shouting, USA, USA, USA. You cannot make an argument to convince me that his political career is over. You cannot make an argument after watching this speech to convince me otherwise. That he can't win in 2024. It's just, it's just not true after seeing this. I mean, Joe Biden has zero enthusiasm he had no enthusiasm, of course, on the campaign trail when he conducted his campaign from his basement when he was protected from the prying eyes of the American people who were going to have to go cast their votes in 2020. I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't attract more than 12 people. He couldn't attract more than 12 people today. This guy, Joe Biden, can't get 1,000 people to watch him from the Democrat side on YouTube when it gives any kind of speech, any kind of substantial speech. But here is Donald Trump, and I'll tell you what, he looked healthy, he looked young, he looked youthful, energetic. He was in true Trump form. He didn't, he hasn't skipped a beat. This was Trump. I gotta, t I gotta tell you about this, this, this man, the president, Donald Trump. He is a marvel to behold, not just because he, he gets it. He can connect viscerally with an audience. He can talk off teleprompter. He can entertain. He can keep people engaged. But just think about things in context. You know, many would look at what happened in 2020, and they, they would feel humiliated. Humiliated. They were, well... They were defeated, okay? He was defeated. It was not fair. We could have a conversation about how the Democrats won. But nonetheless, Joe Biden's in the White House and Donald Trump is not. And just that on its face, Trump was defeated. But he comes out. And I, I got to say something else. He, he didn't have an angry tone. He didn't have a tone that, that evoked any sort of uh, resentment, like a Hillary Clinton. He didn't come off sour. He came off just like we've always heard him. 
It was amazing to behold. And he comes out. He's throwing MAGA hats, if you didn't see that, to the audience. This packed crowd, as far as the eye could see. And he comes out just like he was, hitting the fake media, hitting them just like he did. And we loved him before for it. When he says, they're not going to show you the audience that's here. They won't show you how much support I have. They won't show you any of this. They're fake news. He still hit the fake news. He hit immigration. He hit Afghanistan. And I've seen some people out there, I have, on the so-called right, the conservative side, who say, oh, well, you know, maybe this wasn't the right time to do this. You've know, got the Afghanistan. This is a distraction. Maybe this was not, not a good idea for him to do this. No, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. I'm sorry. I disagree with you. This was a perfect moment, and we need to hear more of this because we're in a situation in which, while people are souring, of course, even on the Democrat side over Joe Biden, they're seeing what we knew all along, that he's in mental decline, he's not a leader, he's not running the country, and Donald Trump talked about a lot of that. And I'm going to play some clips, some select clips that stood out to me from that Trump speech in a few minutes. We're going to go through a few of those, and I'll give you my particular unique insight and commentary on that. But I mean, this was just, this was just an amazing thing to see. I mean, in this void, this chasm right now in which America does not have leadership, does not have a president, we had someone come in, Donald Trump, and give this speech and show us what could have been, what should be to juxtapose in a very clear fashion for the American people all the lies that were told throughout 2020 and throughout his presidency. Well, he put all that to shame. He put it to rest because he showed what leadership looks like. He showed how things could be different had he been in office and not Joe Biden. And honestly, he embarrassed the left. He embarrassed the left. But we're going to play some of that and get into it. But I, wow, wow, I am, I am, I was so thrilled to see this. And I hope you were too. Because it did give some semblance of hope. Because we've needed a voice on the right because we don't have one. It's not in Congress. We don't have anyone speaking up. They won't call for impeachment. And he came out, he called out the election. He talked about the fraud. He's the same Trump. He's the same Trump that we loved the same Trump that the left, well, they could not separate Trump from his base throughout Trump's presidency. And this proved that his base still stands as strong as it did, despite all the attacks for four years, despite the January 6th insurrection lie, despite the two impeachments, despite it all. Well, his people haven't gone anywhere. And I'm telling you, the left is going to be shaking in their boots. They're shaking in their boots. They're quivering because they can't get rid of this guy. They cannot defeat this guy, and they are scared to death. This is Drew Allen, and uh, we will be right back. And uh, we're back. Before I play this first clip, it's about 10 minutes into Trump's uh, appearance in Coleman, Alabama on Saturday night. You know, what? one, one point that must be made Joe Biden cannot rub two brain cells together to make a coherent 
statement or sentence. The guy does not have two brain cells left to rub together to create that unlikely outcome of a complete sentence. And he cannot take questions from the media. He can barely get through reading a teleprompter. And I don't need to play those clips from, for you. You've heard it already throughout this Afghanistan stuff. I mean, he's just literally not home. And Trump addresses that too. But here you have Donald Trump, the elder Donald Trump, who's old just like Joe Biden. And yet Donald Trump, I mean, he runs circles around people 20 years, 30 years, 50 years younger than, than him, quite frankly, speaking for over an hour and a half. I mean, you can't get the president of the United States, Joe Biden, to get through one sentence without making a mistake and stuttering and stammering. And here you have Donald Trump putting him to shame, putting the Democrat voters to shame, putting the Democratic Party to shame. And I loved every moment of it. But I'm going to play this first clip, all right, uh, uh, of Donald Trump. I'll play the clip and then we'll talk about it. How's that sound? Sounds like a plan. Here we go. Biden's botched exit in Afghanistan is the most astonishing display of gross incompetence by a nation's leader, perhaps at any time that anybody's ever seen. Name another situation like this. Vietnam looks like a masterclass in strategy compared to Joe Biden's catastrophe. And it didn't have to happen. All he had to do is leave the soldiers there until everything's out. Our citizens, our weapons. Then you bomb the hell out of the bases. We have five bases. And you say, bye-bye. There he is, saying exactly what needs to be said, exactly what I think, exactly what you think, exactly what any sane, rational, coherent American believes. I mean, what a great statement. You know, he makes the Vietnam War and that exit look like strategic brilliance. He, he's incompetent, grossly incompetent. That's absolutely true. And more importantly, like I said just in the last episode of this show, you know, a 15-year-old could have executed this exit plan out of Afghanistan better than, of course, Biden did. You get the American people out, you get our equipment out, and then you leave. And if they don't, if the Taliban takes over, if they don't abide by the agreements, you bomb the hell out of them. Bye-bye, Trump says. It's just great. That's what Americans are starving to hear. But let's keep going with the speech. I want to play another clip. Do you think that General Patton was woke? I don't think so. What do you think, Mike? Mike, was he woke? I don't think so. I don't think he was too woke. He was the exact opposite. You know what woke means? It means you're a loser. Everything woke. Everything woke. It's true. Everything woke turns to sh. Listen to that crowd. Everything woke turns to sh. Well, this is a kid-friendly show, so I stopped it there. But everything woke turns to crap. 
Everything woke turns to crap. That's what we've been saying all along. That's what the American people know. And that is, in essence, much of the problem in America. All this wokeness. All this wokeness is destroying America. And listen to that crowd, how they applaud him. The enthusiasm, the love, the appreciation, finally, of someone cutting through the PC garbage culture, this woke culture, saying what needs to be said. Everything woke turns to shh, crap. But let's play another clip. With me in office, the Taliban would not have ever dreamt of capturing our airfield or parading around with our American weapons. Did you see all those guns they have? Who recognized those guns? Because they're the same guns you had. We made them. There would have been no emergency embassy evacuation and no taking down of our flag. They took down our flag because we would have established clear lines that the Taliban would have never dared to cross. And that is a brilliant point. Because any defense of what's happening happening in Afghanistan from apologists on the left, the brain-dead, mind-numbed robots on the left that are trying to defend this say, well, this was inevitable. It was not inevitable. The problem is that our foreign enemies, the Taliban, China, Iran, and on and on, they do not fear us anymore. This gets back to the old Reagan doctrine, peace through strength. Well, we are a weak nation because we have weak leadership. Yes, I I know it's more than weak leadership. We, We literally have an administration, the Biden administration. We have these woke individuals who it's not just incompetence, it's by design. They hate America. They're doing everything they can to weaken America. They don't want to project American strength. They don't want to strike fear in the hearts of our enemies. And I I saw a story today. Let's see if I can find it in a timely manner to get to. But there's a headline here about essentially, you know, the UK, the United Kingdom, which is no conservative bastion of freedom anymore, certainly. But the UK, this is from the Financial Times, just the headline, the UK to turn to China and Russia in bid to thwart further Afghanistan chaos. We are not reliable. This is so damning, so bad. Our ally, the United Kingdom, who has long been a friend and ally of ours, they're looking to our enemies to thwart Afghanistan chaos. They're not coming to America. They're not coming to the Biden administration to seek help. They're going to China. They're going to Russia. And this is the problem. And Trump calls him out. Because under his administration, as he says, under his leadership, this would not have happened. This would not have happened. China would not be eyeing, taking over Taiwan. Our foreign enemies who seek to conquer right now, to expand their power, they wouldn't be making these moves. Because frankly, a tweet from Donald Trump is more powerful than anything that can come out of the mouth of of Joe Biden or his administration. They know they're soft. 
They know they're bought and paid for. They know they're in the, the pocket of the Chinese Communist Party. But here's Trump saying this wouldn't have happened under me. And that's true. And hopefully people are waking up to this. But he's right to point it out. And it's a brilliant point. We are projecting weakness. And this is the real danger going forward. If we can get through this administration. Because people are going to take advantage of us. The world landscape is going to change. The world, you cannot tell me the world is not better off with a powerful America as the predominant superpower in this world. If China replaces us, what will the world look like? If Russia takes over the Ukraine, if Iran gets nuclear weapons, this isn't a safer place. We must be the predominant superpower because the world depends upon us. And I know that European allies, you know, they're so fickle. They're all weak. We overpay. We, they take advantage of us with NATO, with all the money we send throughout the world to help other people. And then they turn around and they take a dump on us, right? That's what they do. But even in this circumstance, you have the United Kingdom that even they're more sane more rational, more forward-thinking than our present administration who know how dangerous this situation is in Afghanistan because if the Taliban are in charge there, well, the world is not safe. Western, well, our Western culture is in danger. Europe, America, I mean, terrorism was the reason we got involved in Afghanistan to kind of thwart, of course, that threat. And it didn't just affect us here in America, although 9-11 was the worst attack on American soil, of course, since Pearl Harbor. But that happened here. But the rest of the world is worried about it too. We have terrorism throughout the world because they hate the West. They're trying to bring down the West. And China would love nothing more than to see that happen. Russia would love nothing more than to sit on their hands and watch that take place as well. And now the UK, well, they see how weak America has become, how weak it is under the Biden administration, that they're going to enemy nations for help. This is so, so dangerous for us. But I want to play one more clip, all right, uh, uh, from the Trump uh, rally there in Coleman, Alabama. And then I want to address something that concerned me. Uh, concerned me, of course, that Trump had said about this pro-vaccination. I read the headlines. You know, he got booed a little bit about the promoting the vaccine. It, it's a nothing burger. I actually overreacted on Twitter today. Uh, I want to recant my statement and clarify some things. But here's, here's the, the last clip I want to play from this Trump speech. Negligence. He doesn't know where the hell he is. You think he's running the government? He's not running the government. Creating the greatest strategic humiliation that we've ever seen as a country. And it was something that we should have stopped and the general should have done something. There Trump is. You think he's running the government? He's not running the government. We all know this. Joe Biden is a Manchurian candidate. He's an imp literally an empty suit. He doesn't know what the hell is going on. And Trump says it 
And that's why we love Trump. He speaks the truth. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't pull punches. And we did just suffer and are suffering the greatest strategic humiliation, certainly in my life and certainly in many of yours. And this is why Trump's rally is so monumentally important right now. Because he is showing a clear juxtaposition between what the Democratic Party is and what America needs, what America must be. Because the choice in 2020 was clear to those of us with a rational mind. It was, let me just put it this way. I said something about this recently. You know, Joe Biden today is exactly who Joe Biden was in 2020 during the election. The only difference is, before he was quote-unquote elected president of the United States, there were no consequences. But now that he's in office, and even though he's not making the decisions, well, these decisions are being made on his behalf, well, there are very real consequences for them. Donald Trump represented America first. The Biden administration clearly, indisputably, undeniably represents America last. And this is this, the, the distinction. And this is why it's important that, that Trump delivered this address at this point in time. Because what the Democrats chose, well, it's leading to the annihilation, destruction, and suicide of America. What Trump, repre what Trump represented was the protection of America, the projection of American strength, the protection of the American citizen. And here we have the other choice, which was Biden, which Democrats voted for, which was Americans last. I mean, in Afghanistan, you know, it's been a week since Afghanistan essentially fell and the Taliban took over. And the policy has not changed. The Biden administration continues to leave innocent American citizens stranded in Afghanistan, hiding from the Taliban, saying, just get to the airport. Just get to the airport. We should send, I don't care if it takes 500,000 American soldiers, they should be sent into Afghanistan to annihilate the Taliban and get our people home. That is the responsibility of our government, to put the American citizen first. And we essentially have a hostage situation, a hostage crisis now. And we've got the Biden administration not sending these reprobates, these reprehensible cavemen, Taliban, to their early grave. We're sitting here begging them, begging them to let our people get to the airport. That's not how things work. That's weakness. 
We should be demanding their surrender right now. We should be setting the terms. We should be sending them, as I said, to graves. Do you know that these people, there are photos now, you've probably seen them, and make my stomach turn and my blood boil. They're not only holding American weapons. They're not only driving around in American Humvees. They're wearing American camo, wearing American military uniforms. They're mocking us. They're staging, ridiculing us with their... Well, there's that famous statue of Americans holding soldiers in World War II holding up the American flag at Iwo Jima. And these Taliban are staging a photo in our gear, mocking us, mocking our sacrifices, mocking the dead in America who fought in World War II to defeat Nazi Germany. That photo should send bombs into Afghanistan. That photo... We should be ripping our clothes off these Taliban soldiers if they're not willing to take it off. I'm sorry. That's what is required. American lives are being lost, will continue to be lost, because of what this administration is doing, and they don't seem to care. And here's Trump showing what a real American president looks like, what real American leadership looks like. And that's why it's so important. But I want to play this clip of Trump. You know, I got to admit, I, I bought into the headline because I saw the news circulating that, you know, Donald Trump essentially, the, the, the audience went from applause to booze because Donald Trump was promoting vaccines. It was a short clip. It's really nothing to see, but there is a warning that I have to give to Donald Trump. All right, but let me play that clip for you. I believe totally in your freedoms. I do. You got to do what you have to do. But I recommend take the vaccines. I did it. It's good. Take the vaccines. But you got, no, that's okay. That's all right. You got your freedoms, but I happen to take the vaccine. If it doesn't work, you'll be the first to know, okay? I mean, there are a couple of ways to look at this. I guess I should backtrack. The, the thing that kind of set me off, reading headlines but not listening to the clip ahead, was, you know, I'm tired of hearing from these rhinos like Mitch McConnell and others who are attacking people who choose not to get the vaccine, who are saying that you must get vaccinated. That's not what Donald Trump said. He recommended it, but he knows his crowd. He's reading the audience. He's not a stupid person. So, you know, on the one hand, he probably in his mind wants to come out in support of the vaccine because I don't know if he's thinking about the campaign issue. That's, what's, that's why a lot of these other Republicans are coming out because they know they don't want to be labeled by the media falsely as anti-vaxxers so that there's a campaign issue. But I don't think he's focused on that. I think that, that you know, Donald Trump's the one who, who created an atmosphere and a possibility for there being a vaccine in the first place. 
So I think in his mind, it's just a matter of, I mean, he feels like, obviously, rightfully so, he's been gypped because the media doesn't give him any credit for the vaccine, and that was all him. And so he comes out and he says, get the vaccine, I've been, vac- I've been vaccinated, but eh, it's freedom. And that's important, though, because we don't hear that from other people. Mitch McConnell's and certainly the left, I mean, they're pushing vaccine passports now and so on and so forth. So there's nothing that's alarming here in what Donald Trump said. He hears the booze. He's not thrown off his game. He says, ah, look, it's freedom. It's freedom of choice. And that is, is, is paramount here, okay? Um, but anyway, my warning, I guess, to Trump is that, look, the only person who's capable of separating Donald Trump from his base is Donald Trump. That's him taking a misstep. But he's got great political instincts. His instincts have served him well. They've gotten him to where he is, into the Oval Office. And... You know, he's been able to maintain his base and enthusiasm because of, you know, standing for the American people, coming out and saying what needs to be heard, giving a voice to those Americans who feel like they're not being represented. So he understands that, and he's still there. But there's a very clear line in which many conservatives, many Trump supporters, supporters certainly, they're tired of this vaccination talk. We know there's a vaccine at this point. And if someone hasn't gotten the vaccine, it's because they just choose not to get the vaccine. And nothing's going to change their mind. And it's infuriating to people to hear the government and the Biden administration continue to attack them. And so that's the warning. He's got to be careful not to take that tone because that is an important issue to his base. His base doesn't want to be attacked. His base believes in freedom of choice. And so it's okay for him to come out and say, look, I believe in the vaccine. I've been vaccinated. But it's very important that he does not cross the line, that he toes that line, because that is an issue that could sink his potential nomination in 2024 and any other conservative or Republican who wants to win. So anyway, that's my advice to Trump. He didn't cross the line there, but it's something to be aware of because that's become a central issue as America is divided, as Americans feel attacked about the vaccine issue, and as many of these cities and even states are now trying to push vaccine mandates. That's wrong. It's amoral. It's unconscionable. And at this point in time, given the fact that this COVID is simply the flu, it is, it simply is the flu, folks. We have to live with it. They're pushing booster shots upon booster shots upon booster shots. We have to live with it like we live with the flu, like we live with everything else. And I see these headlines time and time again from CNN and other left-wing propagandist outfits who, you know, Anytime a conservative who refused to get vaccinated dies of COVID, they push that out there. And yet they ignore the stories of people who are vaccinated who also die from COVID. And so it simply is what it is. 
All right, if somebody dies from the flu, CNN's not publishing stories. Oh, this person didn't get a flu shot. They're regretting the flu. I mean, there was a story today about some woman. I don't remember where she was. But the point is, she lost two sons to COVID. And you see a picture of her and her kids, and they're obese. They're obese. They're huge. They're unhealthy. And this woman admits that five years ago, she lost another son. This is not a picture of health and wellness, this family. And unfortunately, we know that obesity, those who are obese, are the most likely to succumb to COVID. That's reality. I mean, people who are obese are going to succumb to many illnesses. They're not healthy. And so we should be looking out. If anything, the message should be, all right, we should start taking care of ourselves better. We should eat healthier. We should watch our weight. We should exercise regularly because that protects us against illnesses, including COVID. And yet this woman who lost two of her sons to COVID who were obese, she comes out and regrets the fact that they weren't vaccinated. I mean, they could very well have been vaccinated and still gotten the Delta variant, the Lambda variant, the Zeta variant, whatever else is out there and died because they weren't healthy. This family, look, there's genes involved. People have illnesses that run in their families, and we have to look out for those things. So the message simply should be preventative measures. Take care of your health before it's too late. If you don't, if you eat unhealthy, if you have diabetes, if you have underlying conditions, if you're overweight, yeah, you're putting yourself by your choices in a position in which you're susceptible to illness, including COVID. And so I'm so tired of these this politicization of everything. Because the message is simply death and disease exists and there are things you can do to prevent, you know, premature death. And that's watching your health. All right, this is Drew Allen. I'll be right back. You know, um, much of the reason that I've been an advocate of Trump running again in 2024, given he's healthy, given he's capable of running and leading this country, which was proven to be true based on his most recent rally, is that you cannot replicate... I mean, something. there's something special that happened in 2016 with Donald Trump. There's something special that happened throughout his presidency in terms of how he grew his base, how he grew conservatism, how he fought for the American people. We have not seen a president have as much enthusiasm as Trump since Ronald Reagan. That's just the truth. George Bush never had this type of enthusiasm. We haven't seen this since Ronald Reagan. That is undeniable. And so, because of what happened in 2020, whatever side you fall on with regards to the legitimacy of the Biden presidency, well, 2024 is an opportunity to really magnify everything because... As I said, the, 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 the choice 
was so clear in 2020 between what the modern Democratic Party represents and what Trump represents. The deep state, corruption in Washington, D.C., and that's been magnified since Biden's been in the Oval Office. And so if you put some other candidate in the mix, if you try and rally behind some other candidate, it doesn't have the same weight. It doesn't have the same rejection of these last, what will be these previous four years of a Biden administration when you have someone new that's not Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the repudiation of all the corruption in Washington, D.C., in this government, everything that's wrong in America, in the Republican Party, in the Democratic Party, in government. And so no one can build the same support that Donald Trump already has. I don't even care if it's Ron DeSantis. And I love Ron DeSantis. I live in California. Governor Newsom, what we're trying to recall right now, okay? But, I mean, Governor Newsom, bar none, if Trump wasn't in the picture at all, is the clear, clear answer in 2024. And Ron DeSantis has made great decisions. He's proven himself to be a fighter. He's proven himself to be conservative and in the vein of Donald Trump. And that's great. Ron DeSantis is young. There's much opportunity ahead for him to run for president. But the reason I am still standing behind Donald Trump in 2024 is because 2024 is an opportunity to right what went wrong in 2020. And forget the cheating and so on and so forth. You know, I mean, that's just... I mean, yeah, I, look, I hope Donald Trump got into it in that rally. I'm not going to play the clips, but about Arizona, what happened in some of these swing states. I mean, all that's true. But Trump is Trump. And he attracts crowds. And there's something significant and special in our history to have an opportunity to vote for him, Donald Trump, again in 2024. And anyone else that's not Trump doesn't carry the same weight, doesn't carry the same significance. This isn't some superficial argument, okay? I don't have my head in the clouds. Donald Trump must be elected because, you know, he was cheated out of victory. It's, it's, it's not like that for me. It's not, Trump is not Hillary Clinton. We're not running Hillary Clinton again because she was defeated, fair and square. This is about real success. And I know, I can, I could, I'm not going to name them, but I can think of them right now in my head, prominent conservatives who do what I'm doing, who have podcasts, who are more famous than I am, certainly, who will say, Trump's too old, we got to move beyond Trump, and so on and so on. But I'm sorry, those folks are wrong. They're just wrong. They're buying into the mythology, the BS of the left, of CNN, of what happened in 2020, and their arguments are not built on firm ground. They're just not. I mean, there is something still amazing about Trump, something unique about Trump, 
And him running in 2024 to right the wrong and injustice that was, that was done in 2020, to right the mistake, because the mistake has become clear to so many Democrats too. They should have voted for Trump. They're not going to say we should have voted for DeSantis because DeSantis wasn't on the ticket. They're going to say Trump was right. We were wrong. We voted for, for Biden based on a lie. And so now we have all this opportunity to vote for Trump because they can see that they made a mistake. And if it's anybody but Trump, well, it's just not the same. Because DeSantis doesn't give these Democrats an opportunity to fix the mistake they made in 2020 to repudiate the lie that they bought into because the media was a part, they were complicit in the lies, hiding, covering for Joe Biden's, not only incompetence, but dementia, whatever you want to call it, covering. I mean, we, we had stories, for example, right? You know, the media, Twitter, Facebook, you know, their attack on free speech when the Hunter, Hunter Biden scandal broke, right, his laptop had evidence of basically collusion with Joe Biden in China, Joe Biden and other foreign adversaries, via Hunter Biden, the most corrupt family in American history. And the media covered for that. They said that was fake news. It was Russia collusion, of course. Surprise, surprise. Everything's Russia collusion for them. And so... Even after Biden was elected, even, and then when it came out in the media that, oh, well, the laptop's real, Hunter Biden did do these things, there was quid pro quo, Joe Biden did lie and cover up, he said in debates that he didn't know about Hunter Biden's financial dealings, when in fact we have pictures of him with Hunter Biden's associates, so Joe Biden lied the whole time, the Democratic Party lied the whole time, and these people said, if I had known Democrat voters said, had I known about, for example, the Hunter Biden laptop, I wouldn't have voted for Joe Biden. So Donald Trump in 2024 is an opportunity for these people to have the opportunity to do the right thing again. To change their indoctrinated minds, to reject the media, to reject the Democratic Party, to, to reject Mitch McConnell and the swamp, and to put... Trump back in there. And remember this too. Trump, more than anyone else, things he can't even say because of confidentiality, he knows what he's up against. He knows what must be done to save America. He knows how deep the swamp is. He knows how deep the corruption is. And no one else does. Trump is uniquely qualified to continue to fix not just the problems today and tomorrow, but long term. He knows how sick this country is. And someone else is going to come in and have to learn that, and it's going to take them time to learn it, but Donald Trump is ready to run. He doesn't need to get familiarized with Washington, D.C., familiarized with the swamp, familiarized with the inner workings of Congress and the corruption that's in our government. He knows. And there are many things he can't say, like I said, because they're confidential. But putting him in office again is the best hope we have to really make headway in fixing what's going to be a generational battle to save America. Because four more years of Trump isn't going to solve America's problems. 
Four years is going to solve the 30 trillion, which will become probably 40 trillion by the time Biden's done of debt. It's not going to solve the deficit. It's not going to solve this wokeness. It's not going to solve any of it. And that's the thing. Trump is just four more years. Four years to start undoing and unraveling the damage that the Democratic Party and the rhinos, the Mitch McConnells, the establishment, have done the corruption that has existed for decades. Four years won't solve it. This is a battle that we're engaged in. Look, I'm 34 years old. It's for the rest of my lifetime. I know that. I understand it. I acknowledge it. I'm willing to fight because I love this country and Trump loves this country. DeSantis certainly loves this country too, but we need consecutive wins. We need to get rid of the rhinos. We need to take back the Republican Party. And so I stand firmly behind Donald Trump because I believe for the sake of this country, he is the best equipped to help save us. I believe that. Some of you may disagree with me, but I've tried to make my case now. And, you know, 2024 is still a ways ahead. We still have midterms coming up. That's something we have to win. But the most important election coming up is here in California, Newsom's recall. The Democratic Party, the LA Times, Los Angeles Times, Nancy Pelosi, I mean, they're all coming out against Larry Elder, who's the clear frontrunner to defeat Newsom. I will be voting for Larry Elder because Larry Elder is the most conservative candidate and he's on the record for decades talking about conservatism. He has a track record. He has, he's been a radio host. I know where he stands. I've heard him. I lived in L.A. for a long time working in Hollywood. So in the car, I listen to Larry Elder from time to time, and I know where he stands. And we must repudiate leftism, Marxism in California in this recall election. Because that will have broad implications for the rest of the country going forward. And they're, of course, pulling out all the stops. The LA Times had an article that just came out, which is... <laughs> well, you make up your mind. The headline essentially was Larry Elder. Larry Elder, by the way, if you don't know this, he's black. He's from South Central L.A. I, I, I think I recall when I listened to his radio show, he'd say the sage from South Central. So he's a black man that came from the hood, now is successful. He's a conservative. And the L.A. Times stoops, unsurprisingly, to new lows. They say he's the black face of white supremacy. <laughs> Can you believe this? This black man from the hood, Larry Elder, who happens to be a conservative because of experience, well, he, of course, is a white supremacist as well. This is how sick these people are. And this is in addition to them coming up with some last-minute story to try and rock his campaign about some ex-girlfriend who says he, I don't know if he pointed a gun at her. I mean, some, some garbage, just like, you know, when we had uh, Brett Kavanaugh, 
who's a worthless piece of crap, by the way, in my opinion, for the most part. A waste of our breath defending. But anyway, Brett Kavanaugh, who we defended vociferously when he was um, uh, being questioned before he was appointed to the Supreme Court, well, you had, you know, Christine Blasey Ford come out and just invent lies. Despite the fact that, you know, he's been a prominent person, he's been a, a judge for a long time, a lawyer, of course, as well, and just when he's nominated for the Supreme Court, she comes out and says, oh, yeah, you and your friends raped, pillaged, and plundered, and, of course, none of it was true. It couldn't be collaborated. People came out and said it never happened. She couldn't remember the date, the place, the time. She just made it up and invented it, just like this convenient story to derail Larry Elder. But this campaign in California is so significant. It really is equivalent and akin to a presidential campaign because California is so far left, so blue. We've had a one-party state here in the legislature, certainly, in Sacramento for many, 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 many years. And this is an opportunity, a bipartisan effort, to reject, repudiate, What's happened in California, which is what Joe Biden and the Democratic Party want to do to the rest of America. So if Larry Elder can win in California, I mean, there's nothing that will scare the Democratic Party more. Because it's prior to this year and the pandemic and what Newsom did locking us down, acting like a tyrant, seizing our liberty in the name of BS, public health. Well, it was unfathomable that there could be any point in time in history in, Amer- in, in California in which, well, a Republican, a conservative Republican could be elected governor of California. And that's what we're facing today. So if you're listening and you're in California, well, you better do what Newsom says not to do. You better get that ballot in the mail. You better vote yes to recall Newsom. And then you got to go and vote for Larry Elder. That's what must be done, and that's the kind of action and peaceful rejection of this tyranny looks like. So if we can do it in California, it will send shivers down the spines of Democrats throughout this nation. And that's what I'll be doing, and that's what you must do as well. This is Drew Allen, and we'll be right back. I just quickly want to interject something else I've been thinking about before uh, we move on here. And that's this, you know, I, 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 back to the Obama thing and who's running this thing, who's running this country. Remember how long it took, uh, without researching just from my mind, my, my brilliant mind that just retains information like a sponge. Uh, remember how long it took Obama to finally come out and endorse Joe? Everyone was wondering when it was going to happen, who he was going to endorse, and he came out and he did it. And he, 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 he stooped for Joe Biden. Now, I wonder, I wonder how long it took, uh, well, for the, what would become the Biden administration and the DNC to hash out terms of agreement with Barack Obama. You know, like how Barack Obama could run the country from Martha's Vineyard. And, and I, you know, to, to this point, I think this is a very serious scandal. We need to get to the bottom of this. It's so clear that Joe Biden doesn't know what's going on, that he's not making these decisions and calls. And so the question is, who's running it? 
who's running the, the presidency. And we have to know this. We, we, the American people deserve to know this. We must have an answer to this. And we must demand, are you listening to me, you Republicans in Congress? I want visitor logs. Visitor logs to the White House, visitor logs to, to Delaware, visitor logs to anywhere Biden has been. And I want phone transcripts. And I, I want, you know, a lot of these meetings he's been allegedly having are virtual, right? With COVID and everything else. I want to know who he's been meeting with virtually. That's the same thing as a visitor to the White House because the, well, the, fulfill, the fulfillment of that is the same. It's a meeting. Just because it didn't take place at the White House doesn't mean we don't get to know. So that's what we have to know. We have to know, demand uh, uh, visitor logs for the White House, phone transcripts, and we can get to the bottom of this. But that's what needs to be done now, strategically, and for the safety and defense of America. Have you seen the scenes, the shocking scenes from Australia? Have you heard those in government on a, in Australia who, well, if you listen to the last episode, you did hear some of this. The premier telling people that they were forbidden from taking their masks off and drinking adult beverages in the streets. Have you seen the most recent scenes of them breaking through the barriers of police who are demanding that they lock down again? Have you seen that? Because that very well could be in America again soon. I mean, these Austra- I mean, Australia has been reduced. I mean, it's a penal colony. I mean, historically, but now today it's it's more a penal colony than anywhere else in the world. I mean, maybe New Zealand could rival them with their one COVID case that's resulted in them locking down the country. But in Australia. I mean, they are locking down like they've never locked down before. Even worse than a year ago. They're telling people they have permission from the government to exercise only one hour a day with a mask on their face. There will be curfews implemented because of COVID. I mean, this is insane. But remember, the Australians don't have a Second Amendment right. They don't have a right to bear arms. They gave up their guns long ago in the gun buyback program from the government. They gave up their arms, and they gave up their liberty in doing so. And that's why we in America have a Second Amendment right. We have a Second Amendment right so that we do not become easily what Australia has become, what New Zealand has become, what could happen to any country throughout the world, but not here because the founding fathers were so brilliant that they understood that the American people bearing arms was the only defense against tyranny and totalitarianism. And that's why the Democratic Party... I want you to remember, the next time you hear the Democrats say, well, we need common sense gun legislation. We need gun buyback programs. We need seven bullets instead of eight in your guns. We need to ban AR-15s. Well, 
That's so that we are defenseless. That is so that we cannot defend ourselves against tyranny that we're witnessing taking place throughout the world and no better example than Australia or, for example, Cuba. Have you noticed how Cuba is not in the news anymore? It was all the rage for a little while. They were protesting in the streets, waving American flags, and, of course, Joe Biden sent a loud, clear message from his administration that no Cuban who tried to escape the communism of Cuba would be allowed to step foot in America. Meanwhile, about a million illegal aliens, that's what they are, illegal aliens, are projected to have crossed our border, well, in a matter of weeks, months. Could get up to two million by the end of all of this. And meanwhile, also, by the way, they're all going to Texas. And the Afghanis, who are being essentially prioritized at this point over American civilians, citizens in Afghanistan, well, the Afghanis, who are refugees, are being transported where? To Texas. To Texas. This is all politics. This isn't only punishment of Texas, but this is about the continued transformation of Texas to become a blue state so that it becomes, of course, impossible to win elections in the future because Texas is a large state with many electoral college votes. And, of course, the Democratic Party, who out of one side of their mouth says, we need to get rid of, uh, you know, we need to go to a popular vote so they can win elections of perpetuity. But no, 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 they understand that's not going to happen, so they've got to send people to Texas, Afghanis to Texas. And you know what? I'm actually, well, I've been on the circuit lately talking about uh, these Afghan refugees and what it means for America. And uh, the question I I am posing is, um, how many of these people are uh, future Ilhan Omars or uh, Zarnev brothers? I I don't care how I pronounce it. It could be wrong. But this is the Boston bomber, bombers, those two brothers who were radicalized. They were from Russia, Chechnya, Chechnya, that area in Russia, who were radicalized Muslims in Boston who, of course— well, killed many Americans at, during the Boston Marathon? Well, that's a legitimate argument to make because we have a broken immigration system in this country. We don't vet people properly, obviously. And the problem with refugees in particular is that they are not coming to America because they want to become Americans. They're not coming to America because they love America. They're just coming to America because we allow it, permit it, and they're just escaping whatever crap hole, hell hole they come from. And once they get here, they're ungrateful in many cases. Not every case, of course, but in many cases. Because unlike the immigrants at the turn of the century who came here because they loved America, understood that America represented freedom, independence, and prosperity— Unlike the immigrants of the turn of the century who came here by, of course, the millions as well through Staten Island, who left their, whether they were Italian or Irish or whatever, left all that behind because they understood what America represented. They understood that it was a pick-yourself-up-by-the-bootstraps environment 
and you could make what you wanted with yourself. There would not be persecution like they came from because America was a place that welcomed immigrants who wanted to become Americans, who were willing to sacrifice to become Americans and, of course, assimilate. But these Afghanis are coming here, and they're not coming here to assimilate. They're not coming here because they want to become American, as I said. They're coming here because, well, it's convenient, because we're allowing it to persist. But it's also funny to me, too. You know, Joe Biden, of course, and the, his administration claim that we have to leave Afghanistan because, well, this is the Afghanis' civil war. This is not our civil war. They must fight for their own freedom. And yet, how can the uh, peaceful Afghanis, the non-Taliban Afghanis, how can they fight against the Taliban if we import all of their forces to the United States of America? And I want to discard and reject this moral argument that America, you know, somehow it's our, well, we must accept all these immigrants from all over the world. We must give them refuge here. No, because you know what? If a husband and wife do not take care of their own families, if a husband and wife kick their own children to the curb, if a husband and wife let their own families suffer and starve in order to take care of another family, that's not moral, and that's what's happening in America today. But of course it's insidious. These Afghanis come from a culture that is foreign to America. Not only because of the Muslim thing. You can live here and be Muslim. That's not a problem. But their tribalism, and in many cases, the way they view women, the way that comes from the religion that they do possess and, and behold, well, it's antithetical to American culture. And so... The Biden administration, they could send them to Delaware. They could send them to Washington, D.C. They could send them to any number of cities and states around this country. But, of course, they're putting them right there in Texas. And Governor Abbott is weak. Governor Abbott is not equipped to fight this battle and protect Texans. And I grew up in Texas. I grew up in Dallas, Texas. That is my home. Now, I've lived in Italy for five years. I call California home right now, and I'm fighting the good fight here. But I am a Texan, and it breaks my heart to see what's happening to the Texans and to see such weak leadership in the government and the legislature there in Austin, Texas. But this is happening, and the Biden administration is sending the potential Taliban forces, in addition to these Afghani refugees, to Texas because they're punishing Texas. Not only are they punishing Texas, but they want to turn Texas blue. And as a matter of fact, well, many Afghanis are. Well, just like other immigrants, like coming across the southern border, well, when they're getting welfare and free handouts, well, what do they do? They're convinced that they have to vote Democrat because they're getting freebies. And that's what's going to persist. That's what's going to happen. Because they buy into this lie that the Democrat Party forces, which is, oh, we're the friends of uh, immigrants. We're the friends of this and that. And so I know firsthand because I once dated a girl whose family fled Afghanistan when the USSR, USSR came in many years ago. Well, her family was not conservative. 
That family was, well, all in for the Democratic Party, and that's what they want to do here with the Taliban. I mean, sorry, the Afghanis as well. But it's absolutely disgusting, reprehensible that we are prioritizing and bringing these Afghanis over here while American citizens are left behind. Absolutely sick. Absolutely sick. And the reality is, Ilhan Omar, look at her. She came from Somalia, from the Horn of Africa. Her family didn't come here because they wanted to be American. They came here to escape civil war over there. And now we have Ilhan Omar, who hates America, who's in Congress, who found a home, a community of Somalians, refugees, and I think Minnesota it was. They haven't changed their tune. You know, they come like a, a uninvited guest, break down our door into our home because some government allows them to come in. They put them in our house. And then these immigrants, they don't respect our rules. They don't respect their gracious hosts. They aren't grateful. And the next thing you know, well, they're kicking the host out of the house. They're taking over the house. They're telling the host of the house, go to hell. You need to assimilate to what we want. You need to assimilate to what the Somalian belief is. You need to assimilate to what the Afghani way of life is. No, you're in America, and that's the problem. And it breeds continued discord. It doesn't jibe with American culture, and it creates conflict down the road. And that's what's going to happen here, and that's why I reject it. You know, George Washington, in his farewell address, for example, you know, he talked about how important it was to be patriotic Americans. He talked about, for example, how, you know, forget the Northeast, Southwest, all those kind of uh, geographical discriminations, because at the end of the day, we have the same culture, the same manners, the same religion, but we don't anymore because we don't have assimilation. And this is all by design. The Democratic Party is vile and evil, and that's why they're doing this. And now Texas is going to have not only an influx of COVID cases, not only an influx of illegal immigration from the southern border, now they're going to have Afghanis, refugees, flown into Texas as well, put there by design intentionally. And all these idiots throughout the country, the Utah governor, for example, who's a Republican and so on and so forth, Mitch McConnell, they're all saying, we welcome these refugees, we welcome them. Well, you know what? This country needs to put a caution tape around this, our own border. Not only a caution tape, we need to put a under-maintenance sign. Because this country is screwed. This country has problems that haven't been fixed and repaired. And we should be closed for business until we get our own ducks in a row. We got homeless here. We got poverty here. We have American citizens sleeping on the street, American citizens that are dying from drug overdoses, American citizens who are alcoholics. We can't take care of our own people. How can we take care of the citizens of the rest of the world? And I'm sorry, if you want to say it's their civil war, well, they need to stay over there and fight it because that's what we did in 1776. We fought. We colonists. We Americans who became Americans fought a war to fight for freedom here. That's the responsibility of other places. We cannot become some graveyard in which we just accept every immigrant from every other country in the world who has problems and let them stay here without making them assimilate while they bypass 
the, the law and order, the immigration laws of this country, it cannot persist. But anyway, that's what I wanted to say about that. But, you know, there's much more to say. This is going to be a busy week, I have a feeling, folks. You know, usually I do one podcast a week or something like that. This week's going to be much more than that. This is the Monday podcast, and I guarantee you there will be a Tuesday podcast and maybe even a Wednesday podcast. But, um, you know, we are in a, a nation and a world of trouble right now. And I guess, you know, at the end of the day, this podcast really is the case for Trump. I guess it is the case for Trump. I'm happy about what happened with Trump. I'm happy that he gave that speech. I'm happy that he, that he had that rally because we needed it. We, need, we needed that juxtaposition between what America lacks and what America has to gain. About what America is not currently and what it should be. We have no leadership in the presidency right now. And Donald Trump showed what leadership looks like. And so, if anything, at the end of this particular episode, I hope you will take with you and think about not only the insanity that is this current administration, but how important Trump is. And we need to hear more of him because we need to show, because we're not getting this from Congress, certainly. We're not getting this from any other prominent Republicans out there. We don't have leadership on our side. Trump is that answer. And we need Trump to come out and do this more and more to show what America is and what leadership looks like. Because we don't have it now, and we're not going to get it in this administration. And honestly, at the end of the day, we've got to get rid of the Democrats. We have to eviscerate them, and we have to clean up our own house. Just like we need to clean up America before we accept all these refugees and everything here. We got a lot to do, folks. But this is still the greatest nation in the history of the world. And it's great because we, the people, are great. It's great because you are great. It's great because we, the people, will fight for freedom. But God bless you all. Thank you for listening. Share this podcast with your friends, your family, with the indoctrinated morons on the left. Because maybe, maybe a few of them will open their minds and listen to such brilliance as has been spoken here today. This is Drew Allen, the 34-year-old millennial, born and raised in Texas, living in California, Italian-speaking, Hollywood-working actor, producer, and now fighting for American liberty from sea to shining sea, answering the call, the sacred call, that is placed upon every American citizen to defend this republic and to, well, to stand firmly, to draw the line, to ensure that this great nation persists, not just today, but tomorrow, not just for my generation, but for the next generation. Freedom is only but one generation away from extinction, folks. It must be fought for, defended, and that's what I'm doing here today. God bless you all, and until next time.